This is Lisa Miller and Associates, Florida Insurance Roundup, your podcast on the people, issues, and regulations shaping Florida's insurance market. Now, here's Lisa Miller. Welcome, friends. In the aftermath of the Parkland, Florida school shooting, there are a myriad of civil lawsuits against the school district and other organizations and individuals that insurance companies will now be involved in defending. How do we contemplate such a horrendous event? And from an insurance perspective, how can we really rate the risk of such an event? We've talked here on the Florida Insurance Roundup in the past about how new modeling and technology have been a game changer on the property insurance side, specifically in flood insurance. Better analytics have brought more private companies to write flood insurance here in Florida than in any other state in the country. Now there's a new effort to use modeling on the casualty side. It's being led by AIR Worldwide, a various company, which has begun modeling both systemic events, such as asbestos contamination and sudden events like oil spills. With us today is Robin Wilkinson. She is the Vice President and Managing Director of Casualty Analytics at AIR Worldwide, joining us from her London office. Robin, welcome to the Florida Insurance Roundup. Thank you very much, Lisa. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Robin, could scenario-based casualty risk modeling be used for potential school shooting situations? Yes, I think it can. Our tool can help both insurers and reinsurers calculate their commercial liability losses from extreme events like that. So it can help those insurers consider and calculate the potential impact to their liability portfolio of shooting events, not just in schools, but in a variety of venues, such as hotels, as it happened in MGM Grand in Las Vegas, in theaters, in restaurants, at major events such as the Boston Marathon, or as a result of rented vehicles, which happened in the 2016 Bastille Day attack in the south of France, or the 2017 Westminster Bridge attack in London, and also consider the potential liability associated with the mechanisms or weapons, uh, whether it's fertilizers or other potential weapons. So we do model that whole range of risks. Incredible work, Robin. How would insurance companies that provide coverage to hotels, for example, how would they understand how it actually works? So what our tool does, is it helps users consider the footprint or potential spread of an event. We basically are simulating a range of losses to a portfolio from such an event. What we do is we try and create a footprint for a set of events, and we're using supply chains, basically. We're tracking the path of financial products or other products or services across an economic landscape on the basis that where you do you have a component supplier or a service provider or professional advisors to a product or service, liability may be associated with anybody up and down that supply and distribution chain. So we create these footprints and then we set some parameters for the entire event based either on historical data, which we project forward, or based on calculating an event size for an emerging risk or on reports like public reports for an emergent risk such as these recent school shootings where there might not be any historical data necessarily to go on. So that's the first step. We try and understand the event. The second step is that the user 
and that the insurer reinsurer can overlay a portfolio to try to calculate their aggregate exposure to that event, i.e. asking the question, how much loss is likely to be an insured loss in that portfolio. So you're reducing the problem from saying, wow, how big could this event be, to, hey, how much of that loss is likely to be in my portfolio? And that then can be managed. And then what we do to actually calculate a loss, to calculate like a gross loss, is we cascade the losses down from the industry level down and we use either history or legal principles and other practical issues to consider what industries are likely to be responsible for the loss, then down to companies based on market share, and then down to individual policies based on their policy terms, such as their lines and their limits and their attachment points. Incredible, incredible concepts and tools to use to help both the insurance company, the primary insurance company, I like to call it, and reinsurance companies who are their backstop, if you will, in making and managing their portfolios. How is this scenario-based modeling for casualties similar to what many of our listeners are accustomed to with catastrophe modeling on the property insurance side? Uh, that's such a good question. You know, property cat modeling has been around for about 30 years. And in a way, we're going on a similar journey with casualty cat modeling that the property cat models have made, but hopefully with much shorter time frames. And there are key differences and reasons that have made casualty cat modeling so much more difficult and more uncertain. So, for example, property cats, unlike casualty, are obviously geographically based. So you have an immediate basis of proximity there between policies. Why might more than one policy be brought up, you know, brought into the same event? And there are defined perils, and properties have known values. But for casualty cats, we use our economic framework that I mentioned earlier rather than a geographic framework because we think that's what gives proximity to the to these policies, why they might be caught up in the same event. And we also have a way of categorizing casualty events. So the problem with casualty is the future might not necessarily resemble the past. You have technology, you have regulation, you have changing social mores. So what we've found is it's very hard when you have a future that's so different from the past. So being able to categorize these events, it gives us essentially um, the equivalent of the casualty equivalent of like a regional peril model for property. And that enables us to look at what kind of shape and parameters might be associated with future events. Very helpful, very helpful. In fact, I think that that is a great way to distinguish between the two. And in fact, when you talk about the different events, you know, we hear systemic event, we hear sudden events. What's the difference between the two? Well, that's a really good question, too. So in casualty, you can have what we, you, what you refer to like as a sudden trigger event. And in fact, that forms the majority of historical events. So in the advising data, which we use, which we think is probably the best set of casualty catastrophe data that's publicly available, over 80% of the events that we've analyzed in that data set are actually sudden trigger events, although these systemic events are actually roughly twice the total loss. 
So what happened? What were these sudden events about? They happened at one time in one place. So, for example, that recent bridge collapse, also in Miami, mm-hmm. which your your mm-hmm. people are probably familiar with, Deepwater Horizon, this MGM Grand shooting, mm-hmm. the school event. These are all sudden events. They happen in a certain time and place. Systemic events are going to happen much less frequently. They also arise from a single trigger, but they occur over time and usually implicate more parties. So, for example, the Chinese drywall problem mm-hmm. is contaminated drywall that hit Florida after a big hurricane, and they used this stuff to kind of rebuild some properties. Mm-hmm. That is a systemic event. It was sold over a period of time. It didn't happen at a single time and place. Um, the problem with opioids, which people might be familiar with, mm-hmm. with Bernie Madoff's Ponzi scheme, mm-hmm. um, with asbestos, sport-related concussions. These are all examples of systemic events that are occurring over a longer period of time. Wow, that's so helpful and very clear to understand the difference between the two. This casualty model, of course, is able to provide data and information on both systemic and sudden events, correct? That's right. So we're modeling both of them, and they have different characteristics associated with them, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. You know, a systemic event tends to be not a single, say, contamination event or a single party usually at the core of it, but it tends to have maybe more systemic parties. Chinese drywall, there is more than one Chinese Mm -hmm. uh, manufacturer who is implicated, more than one distributor, many, many, many construction companies, as opposed to a contaminated sudden event that we talked about, like a deep water horizon where you have a single party BP at the center. Are there some current scenarios uh, that you are exploring to see if your model would have applicability? You, you know, where are you kind of like today? So we are modeling what we could think of as the full range of scenarios that impact on commercial liability policies. So what we've noticed is most scenarios actually impact more than one line of business. So you don't really want to think within a single line of business when you're looking at the impact of these scenarios. And so we model what you were, we were talking about, these sudden emergent events. Mm-hmm. So they come out of nowhere, that chipocalypse, if you remember, that this sort of specter and meltdown, you know, vulnerabilities that they discovered in Intel and AMD and ARM processors or entertainment industry sexual misconduct, like out of the blue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's been going on for a while. Or it's or the California wildfire utility liability where, where again, interesting case, isn't it, that, that here you have a natural event in which some liability, they're looking to shift some liability to the utilities or the Arkema explosion after Hurricane Harvey. So these are all those kind of sudden events we talked about that just pop up. And we like to model those as they happen. We like to model these forward projected historical events, and this is like financial collapses in Ron and WorldCom before. We've just had Toys R Us recently, so they happen regularly. You have PPI mis-selling events that we had like in England where they're mis-selling a financial product or pipeline spills. 
So we're modeling that kind of range of historical events, and we've got dozens of those in our tool. And we're also working with ISO Emerging Risks, who work with a lot of the industry and identify the emerging risks that are of really great concern to the industry, and we model those. And these are things such as like carbon nanotubes and fracking, even climate change litigation, where they're trying to see whether you know, maybe some coal producers or oil and gas producers might be liable for some of the impact on climate change from some of their activities. So we're not trying to model the past. We're trying to say what might happen next. So this is all forward-looking modeling. That, that, this is incredible. And I work in the legislative process a lot, and I know had we you know, been able to use some of this um, during this past session, though it was rather quickly, uh, we ran out of time in a lot of, in a lot of ways. In fact, you know, the, the new law that just passed in response to what happened mm-hmm. at the high school, you know, it's called the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School Public mm-hmm. Safety Act. You know, it, is there a way that that law can impact an insurer's liability in future situations? Right. Well, I mean, first to say we're obviously not not providing uh, legal advice here, but what we see from what we understand of the law is that this recent law appears to set a kind of newer enhanced regulatory framework for schools. And what we very much hope, of course, is that reduces either the likelihood or severity of these school shooting type events. What it may also do, however, is set a new bar for schools. So if they fail to comply, be articulating more what best practice is, if they fail to comply, that might make them a bit more vulnerable to lawsuits if they haven't followed that best practice or if they have been seen not to take the steps they could have taken to, say, protect their students. So it's very interesting looking at what seems to be a trend. So instead of focusing on the shooter or perpetrator, to looking at how those events are being managed and how those venues are being managed, as we saw with the potential, I believe, the MGM Ground Hotel, right, in Las Vegas, that we're looking at more how people are managing the reaction to those events and not just necessarily to the perpetrator. And this trend could be resulting in liability insurers paying out for what would otherwise be, those losses might be insured or they might be uninsured losses in, in these situations, and where the insurers hadn't really contemplated or quantified their potential exposure. You know, you wonder whether people who are writing liability policies for hotels had actually contemplated the type of event that happened in MGM Grand. So that's a very interesting trend I think that we should be keeping an eye on. Wonderful. That's so helpful. Well, I cannot thank you enough. I know that things are busy in London and you've got the, uh, sort of speak, the weight of the world on your shoulders as you try to educate the market about this great new tool. And and I can see how this scenario-based modeling for casualty events can impact different insurance lines and benefit insurance companies, reinsurance companies, policyholders. I mean, it's just, it's just a really great thing. And I want to thank you. And I want to thank our listeners for following us. This is all about innovation and insurance and that we try to work with those in the marketplace who may have existing products and look at how they're developing a new way to look at it or a new tool to help us all be more successful. 
And in this case, we know the better the data, the better the prediction and ultimately the outcome. So it's an exciting time to be in the insurance business and modeling is just improving the way that we rate risk and we understand risk and it gives us more accurate pricing and helps us all as as consumers ultimately of the insurance product. So on our show notes page, we'll have a link to the AIR Worldwide webpage where you can learn more about this scenario-based modeling for casualty events along with Robin's contact information. And, and we certainly see the application of this modeling technology in helping so many businesses across the country manage what they're trying to do in terms of, of their vulnerability. Robin, I appreciate your time and thank you. Thank you very much, Lisa. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. That's the Florida Insurance Roundup. Thank you for being a part of it. Remember, at Lisa Miller & Associates, we have a passion for policy and client success. I'm Lisa Miller. Until next time, be safe. This has been Lisa Miller & Associates' Florida Insurance Roundup, your podcast on the people, issues, and regulations shaping Florida's insurance market. For more information on today's program, please visit us on the web at www.lisamillerassociates.com.